0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Luke 17, we've been talking about overcoming offense. And this verse Verse one says that Jesus said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It is impossible that no defenses or no offenses would come. You know, offenses are going to come to you. I don't care how wonderful you are. Offenses are going to come. You are going to be confronted with offense. It's just a fact of life. It's in, Jesus said it's impossible to avoid. For instance, somebody just, you hear, you, you hear through the grapevine or somebody tells you that somebody just said something about you that is untrue, unkind, maybe hateful, And, uh, you know, it's not somebody that you... You know, if somebody that you don't know, that you've never heard of, if you heard they said something about you, you think, well, so what? But if it's somebody that you know, and that you know they know better, and that you find out they said something ugly about you, something slanderous about you, now, you can sit out there and look all innocent if you want to, but that's offensive. Yeah, I mean, it just goes all over you. It's like, What? Huh? Is that just me or is anyone? I've seen most people shake their head. One or two of you have never experienced that. (laughs) Probably before the night's over, you will. (laughs) That is an offensive thing. It is offensive. Jesus said it's impossible to go through life and to not have offenses. They will come. If it didn't bother you, it wouldn't be an offense. Are you, are you listening to me? Uh, so be on guard. Jesus said they're coming. So we ought to be on guard, we ought to be prepared for them. Amen. Being presented with offense. Or recognizing that something is offensive to you is different from taking offense. Do you understand the difference? You can have something happen that is offensive. It's wrong. It's an injustice. And you feel that. That There's nothing wrong with that. That just means you're one of us. It means you're human. But you don't have to take offense. Just because offense comes to you, you don't have to take it. You don't have to become offended. You can recognize that it is offensive, but you don't have to become offended. Amen. I pointed out that this Greek word that's translated offenses here is is the in the original Greek, it means a trap or a snare. But specifically and especially, it refers to the bait inside of a trap. So you need to be prepared. And when the offense comes, don't take the bait. Don't take it. See, if you're not looking for it, if you're not careful, how many of you have, have ever enticed uh, some kind of a varmint with, with a trap? Anybody ever done that? A mouse trap maybe? Now, I have squirrels in my yard, and I don't like them because they're nuisance and so I shot, I, I would go outside and I would shoot them. Now, my, my granddaughter, Mia, can't stand to hear me say that. I say, I shot a squirrel. She's like, oh. Papa, oh, she just sees them as these cute little things. But they're a total menace in my yard. So I, I, I decided, you know, instead of shooting, you know, I've got neighbors and, and so forth, I would, I would put a trap out. Now, I've got a friend in California and he's been very successful trapping squirrels. And uh, he told me about a trap that he bought. And you, and you put the, the uh, he told me the, the, the bait that he put in it. And I forgot what he said at the time. So I bought, I sent off and ordered a squirrel trap. It's actually just a, a, a rodent, you know, a trap, small animal trap. And so I put nuts I put it under the oak tree where all the squirrels come down and they, you know, they're always digging in the grass. So I put this trap right out there where they come down and I put nuts on the inside of it. Those squirrels just walked all around it, dug in the grass all around it, ignored my trap. So I put peanut butter in it. I thought, well, that's, that'll give an odor, you know, they'll be attracted to that. Didn't phase them. So I contacted my friend. I said, what's going on? He said, you're putting the wrong kind of bait out. He said, I said, well, what do you use? He said, cracked corn. You put cracked corn out. Go to the feed store, get cracked corn. He said, now I I got disillusioned with the whole trap thing. So I've gone back to shooting, okay? (laughs) But he said, when he puts cracked corn out in 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 that squirrel trap, he said the squirrels absolutely go crazy over it he said they're just they get in a frenzy and they'll get in that trap and they're and they're just stuffing this cracked corn in their mouth and he said you can walk right up to them with your with your 22 and stick it and they won't even look at you you know they they won't even look at they're just so busy eating this cracked corn The point is, bait is enticing. It's into, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't put any kind of, evidently I did, but you don't normally put bait in a trap that isn't enticing to the thing you're wanting to entrap. Isn't that right? Offense is attracting. It's attractive. The flesh wants to be offended. Amen. Your flesh wants to be offended. Mine does too. When something happens that's not right, that's that's an offense, the natural response is to, to take that bait. We have to school ourselves. We have to retrain ourselves to not take that bait. But the only way we can do that is be looking for it. Be on guard with your attitudes and with your expectations of people. You know, people will let you down. The Lord Lord will never let you down, but people will let you down. And so if you will develop the habit of looking to the Lord for your uh, endorsement or your validation or whatever it is, instead of looking at people, that will help you. But uh, you can you can get and and I've and I've 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 developed this over time. Not perfect in it, but I have developed uh, the response that when something happens to uh, to offend me, I've I've learned don't take that bait. I might feel it. I mean, my natural inclination might be, you know, go after it. Don't take it. It's a trap. It's a trap. I said, it's a trap. The devil has set a trap for you, and he is baiting you. Amen. Notice this verse says, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. Notice he didn't say from whom they do come. He said, through whom they come. You know, if, 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 I, if, I, if I said this sentence and I said, Sam came from the house, that would, that would communicate that the journey of Sam began in the house. We don't know anything before that. But the journey of which we speak began in the house. Sam came from the house. But if I say Sam came through the house, that's a whole, different, a whole different idea. Because if Sam came through the house, the journey didn't start in the house. It started before the house. Sam came through the house. He said, woe unto him through whom the offense has come. That tells me that when, I'm a, when, when offense is presented to me, Even when somebody does something to offend me, the source isn't that person. The source of that offense isn't that person because it came through them. Now, too often people are uh, easily used along that line. But we need, to, we need to focus our attention on, where, on what the problem is and who is the source of the problem. You think about any kind of offense, anything that's ever happened to you. Now, now you know, without being real personal, you know, I could ask people, you know, what, what, what kind of things have offended you. you? Say, well, somebody, you know, mistreated me. Somebody said something ugly about me. Someone was inconsiderate toward me. When you analyze all those things, if you're talking about Christians or you're talking about family members, if you're talking about someone who loves you, or some or in the sense of a Christian, someone who's in relationship with God, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't conceive of that. They didn't sit down and say, "You know what? I'm just gonna really say something ugly about Kendra Condo. Just gonna." Just put a knife in there and just twist it. Nobody does that. The enemy is behind it because he's the one that set the trap. Most of the time, I say this so often because it, it it we we need to be reminded of this over and over and over and over again. Christians born-again people who have the love of God shed abroad in their heart, the life of God in them are not going about intentionally trying to hurt people. Like, you don't know so and so. She did. You, you, listen, there's more to the story. That if they're, if they're genuinely born again, they don't go about, a Christian is not going about looking for ways to be ugly, to be mean, to be spiteful, there's something else going on. The devil's behind it. Amen. Well, we need to start recognizing where the offense comes from. Instead of reacting to the person or the individual or the situation, react to the devil and say, no, you don't. I smell the cracked corn. And I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to take the back. I might want to. It smells good. It looks good. But I'm not taking it. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, the last time we were looking at this passage over in 2 Timothy, turn over there with me, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we pointed out, well, let's let's read the passage. It says in verse 20, In a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Now notice, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strifes. Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, contentions, quarrels. He said avoid them. Don't just run headlong into them. Don't... You avoid something when you know it's bad for you. Isn't that right? When you know something is going to hurt you, you, you know to stay away from it. But so many times we uh some kind of an uh, of an issue arises that could be offensive, and we decide to check it out you know and 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 actually get involved in it because we want to we, we, don't want our, we don't want ourselves to be defrauded. We don't want anybody to say anything. Did, did you really? Did she really? Did it really? Did that really happen? And so you go looking for it. He said avoid those things because they're strife generators. They generate strife. Just like a generator is constantly putting out power, contentions, disputes, these kinds of things continually generate strife. So he said avoid these stupid disputes how many times how many let me ask you this how many hundred times have you been embroiled in a in some kind of a dispute and just got it all blown out of proportion you know you lost your fellowship with the Lord you lost your fellowship with the person it just turned into an ugly scene and it was all over and everything settled down you thought to yourself you know that I, I way overreacted this is, this is way, this is not even important. I know if you're married, you've done that. Yeah. Because when you look at it, when you step back from it, you realize it was just a stupid, silly nothing. Well, why didn't you realize that before you got involved in it? The bait smelled like crack corn. I mean, you just wanted to lay hold of that so bad. And before you know it, you're ensnared. Now, when you're ensnared, you're in a trap. Yeah. He said, avoid these things, knowing that they are strife generators. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel. That word quarrel there is the verb for the word strife. So a servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle to all, able to teach patience, Inhumited, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. Correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. Notice the trap, the snare. That they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil having been taken captive by him to do his will. Now, I told you last week that I hadn't really looked into this passage because I know some translations say to do his will. Some translations say uh, at his will. The older King James said at his will. And so I looked into it this week and and I found out that a lot of the translations that say to do his will actually translate it to do God's will. And and I don't know enough about the Greek. I read it and it made sense to me. I understood it, but I don't know if I can I can say it the way it was written. But it's it all hinges on the where on where they uh, what what noun they attach the pronoun to. And they said that the pronoun his will his will is a different pronoun than was used about the devil and so evidently it must mean God's will taken captive to do God's will but another writer said well that is true in classical Greek but in Koine Greek which is the particular Greek style of Greek that the New Testament was written in that's not very significant at all and if you think about it that doesn't even make sense I think the Amplified Bible is one that says it that way, uh, taken captive uh, to do God's will. That means that the devil, you're taken captive by the devil to do God's will. That doesn't even make sense. No, it's to do the devil's will. And the older King James says, at his will. And it all turns on just, you know, just the preposition there, whether it's, you know, uh, at his will or to do his will or whatever, you know, however that's arranged in the Greek. I think both of them have merit. And so more translations say uh, to do his will than say do the will of God. But I think at his, uh, at his will is also important. Think about that. Taken captive by the devil. Are you seeing that? That they may come to their senses and escape the trap, the snare of the devil, having been taken captive. I started thinking about that and I thought, how, how ridiculous is that? When the wonder of the New Testament, the power of the New Testament, the glory of the gospel is that Jesus came to free us from the devil to set us totally free, to deliver us from the power of darkness. He says that we've been delivered from the authority and the dominion of darkness having been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. We see over and over and over in the New Testament scriptures that tell us that we've been delivered. The devil has no right. He has no control. He has no place The new birth is a perfect new birth. And when we were born again, we were taken out of his hand, out of his control, out of his dominion, brought over and translated into the kingdom of God. We received a new birth. We became the very sons of God, born of God. Our our nature is new. It's derived from God. I'm telling you, the devil has nothing in us. Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, the prince of this world comes, but he has nothing in me. The devil has nothing in us unless we give him something. He said, it's possible, born again people who've been redeemed, who've been set free, who've been raised up together with Christ at the Father's right hand and principalities and powers and, and, and rulers and the darkness of this world and so forth are under our feet, we rule over them and now we're in captivity. That's pretty That's pretty extreme. Taken captive by the devil at his will. That's what offense will do. That's what the strife that comes from offense will do. It'll open the door for the enemy to take you captive at his will. In other words, uh, to... To a larger or lesser degree, the enemy owns you. You're taken captive. You're his. That's not very a oh, wonderful uh, place to be in, is it? Taken captive. Listen, if you're the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. Well, if he's taken you captive, he's not going to flee. I said if he's taking you captive, he's not going to flee. Resist the devil, James 4, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And the, the original Greek indicates that he will flee as in terror, a terrified fleeing, full of fear, flee as in terror. But here on the other hand, you're taken captive by him at his will to do his will. If you're resisting the devil and he's not fleeing, this would be a a choice place to look. If you're resisting him in your body and you're using your faith and you're standing against some kind of a symptom in your mind and, and the devil's not fleeing, that symptom's not changing... And, and you're speaking the Word like, like Jackie was talking about, using the Word of God, standing on the Word of God, and nothing's changing, I would, I would check up and see whose cage you're in. Amen. I'd be sniffing around for some cracked corn if I were you because that's not, that's not normal. It may be commonplace, but it's not normal. It's not normal for a Christian to resist the devil and the devil not flee. Because God said resist him and he will flee. Turn over there to to James and let's look at it. Because he said something else that's important. James chapter 4. Let's start in... Wow, we're going to start in verse one. I didn't intend to, but it all fits. Where do wars and fights come from among you, man? What kind of church was he going to? (laughs) Where do wars and fights come from? You, you think that church? I know you wouldn't think about this church, but that church you used to go to that you think was so bad. This is. This sounds like it might be worse. Where do wars... I've been in some of those church wars. They can be brutal. Yeah. I won't go into all that, but... Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desire for pleasures that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do, not have, you, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses. Wow. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Who does God give grace to? Does God give grace to the proud? Well, I'm going to have my say. You just don't know what that old, that old dog did to me. Listen, I've heard this in church. I didn't say I've heard it here, but I might have. But, I, but I've heard it other places, I'm sure. What I'm thinking about wasn't here. But I remember somebody saying that about a fellow church member in another church I belong to. You just don't know what that dirty dog did to me. Fellow church member. I would say that person was not receiving God's grace. God gives grace to the humble Not through the proud. Well, I thought grace was for everybody because it's free. And if it's grace, then there's nothing you can do to merit it. Well, evidently, humility will cause it to come and pride will cause it to not come. Amen. God gives grace to the proud. God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. You know, when it comes to contentions and uh, uh, controversies and when we get embroiled in situations, the only way out is to humble ourselves," I said. "The only way out is to humble ourselves. It, it might be that you're right, but in, in the uh, issue of who did what, you might be in the right, but just being in the right's not the way out. Mm-hmm. I said, just being in the right's not the way out. The way out is to humble yourselves before the Lord. Amen. And if and if bitterness and offense, if you've taken hold of that and you've laid hold of that and you're offended, it doesn't matter whether you have the right to be offended. Yeah, but I have I have the right to be. He did such and such. She did so and so. I have the right. Listen, you, you might have the right, but it's going to keep you snared. And thank God for his grace. I don't know what governs the amount of grace that is extended to a person. I do know that, that God gives grace to the humble and he resists the proud. And only God knows a person's heart. And I've seen people that were in serious offense offended had gotten maybe they were done wrong but they are so far out beyond the the will of god in the matter and yet i've seen a measure of grace working in their life anyway i i, I don't know what governs that only i'm i'm i feel sure that god looks at a person's heart and he knows what their what they know, and what they, what they know to be operating in. And God, thank God, God covers us a lot of times. When our actions and our behavior should bring the house down all around us. And God's grace is still there, but the Bible says he can give more grace. He can give more grace. And sometimes that more grace is not available because we are accountable for more. When we know this, this message tonight is going to mess you up. Because you'll be, and I will be, accountable for more. Because now you know you have to be on the lookout. Now you know that, that it's coming and it's a trap and it smells like cracked corn. And, and you know to be looking for it. And you know you're going to be attracted to offense. So the more you know, the less you get away with. God's grace covers us in areas when we're, when we're stumbling along like babies. Well, those areas that we should know better, he resists the proud. The proud says, listen, this is, this is fact-based, and I have a right to feel this way. Hmm. Let's go back to it. God resists the proud gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You've often heard it said that you can't resist the devil and resist God at the same time. He said submit to God and resist the devil. But if you're if, you're submit, if you've got the front door open to God saying, oh, God, come on in. I submit to you, Lord. I submit to you. But you got the back door propped open and you got a big sign back there. Come on in, devil. Come on into my house. You, you're not going to have a peaceful house. You're not going to have a peaceful existence. Because, yeah, you want, you want God in your life, but you also have the door open for the devil to come in. Or maybe it's just a window. Maybe it's just a little rat hole They come in. Amen. He said, submit yourself to God, then resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Well, submitting yourself to God is humbling yourself before the Lord and saying, Lord, I've I've become offended. You know, it's better to just acknowledge instead of denying. Most people deny they're offended. You hear it all the time. I hear it a lot. I hear people say, people around here a lot of times have said things to me. They've said, oh, I'm not offended. Such and such happened. Now, I'm not offended. And I wonder, I guess nobody's ever offended in this church. Because everybody's telling me they're not offended. But I have to suppose, suppose that if somebody's telling me they're not offended, there's a, there's a good possibility that they are. Thou dost protest too much. Uh, Well, praise the Lord. Submit to God, acknowledge that, and come to your senses. It says, back over in our text in in, uh, 2 2 Timothy 2, it says that if God will perhaps give them repentance so that they may come to their senses... And like I said before, that phrase, come to their senses, literally refers to awaken from a drunken stupor. Awaken from a drunken stupor. Offense is intoxicating. It is. When you, t- when you take offense, listen, again, let me, let me clarify. Offenses will come. When they come, you feel it. I'm not talking about going through life, nothing ever bothers you. I'm not you know, people who claim that, I just wonder if they're if they're really being honest. Because things are offensive. Jesus said offenses would come. But taking it, when you take offense, it's intoxicating. And a little intoxication leads to more intoxication. I, when when I used to indulge in, in things that, that altered my consciousness, a little led to more because I liked it. I liked the feeling. And if a little would do this, then I wanted more because I wanted to feel more of that. Offense is that way. It's, it's amazing how, and you've you've seen people like this, that are so caught up in offense, and it's like they live off of it. Have you experienced somebody like that? They live off. They, they thrive on this. What's wrong with them? They're just drunk. But they're not drunk in the Holy Ghost. They're drunk with offense. He said, per, perhaps God will grant them repentance so that they may come to their senses and recover themselves from the snare of the devil, having been taken captive at him by him at his will you know uh, in here in James we're in the in the fourth chapter go back to the third chapter who is wise and understanding among you let him show by good conduct this is james three thirteen let him show by good conduct that his works are done in The meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and strife and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The wisdom, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. This wisdom, think about that. Wisdom can come across, I mean, strife can come across as wisdom. Remember earlier I said that the Bible says that the devil transforms himself into an angel of light. So very often what the devil does seems to be enlightening. And I've noticed, and, and I, listen, I've been guilty of it. Don't misunderstand me. I, I don't think there's anybody here that would, that would be bold enough to say, I've never been guilty of this. Because I know better. I've been guilty of it. Offense can come across as enlightenment. So people that are offended sometimes feel enlightened, they feel superior. They feel more knowledgeable than the average Joe. Listen, you you know, you can be just singing someone's praises, talking about how good a person they are, are, and and you see someone with a smirk on their face, and they're going, yeah. If you were as high and mighty as I am, if you were as, as exalted in wisdom as I am, you would know better than that. You bless your darling heart. You just don't know him like I know him because I am so enlightened this wisdom he said is from the devil it's not from heaven hey man come to your senses come to your senses uh, 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 awaken from this drunken stupor. If you're in, if you're in, if you're offended, admit it. Just go before God and just say and listen. If you haven't if you haven't done anything to hurt that person, uh, you know, you, leave them out of it. But sometimes, you know, when you're offended, then it causes you to transgress. Then you end up saying something about them. Slandering them, so forth. I know I'm not talking to anybody here, but our brother. No. If you, if you have to, you, you you might need to go to that person. The Lord's told me to do that before. In fact, I had to call another preacher one time, and he knew nothing about it. And I'm I'm well assured that. Well, I don't know. I started to say nothing that I had said about him had any influence, but it might have. I had a I had a a, a, a minister one time when I was an RMAI director. He he had a particular type of ministry that was really uh, unusual, and and people were calling me other pastors. and going, Master Edwin, what do you think about so and so? You know what I you know what I said. You know what I had the stupidity to say. I had the stupidity of saying, you know, I don't think that's God. I said, if that's God, if that's a manifestation of the Holy Ghost, then I don't know anything about the Holy Ghost. That's not God. Well, a a, a short time after that, I had had to realize, you know what? That was of God. Well, now, what am I going to do now? I had to go back to those pastors I had to call, you know, people will help you get into sin. <laughs> they will absolutely encourage you, help you. Notice woe unto him through whom the offense comes. And and they helped me commit an offense. And I had to go back to that person. And say, you know, and he, he didn't know anything about it. I had to go back to the pastors that I talked to, but then I had to call that minister up. And he knew nothing about it. I said, listen, I got to uh, apologize to you and repent before you. And he said, what, what's up? And I told him what I'd done. I, and I didn't, listen, don't sugarcoat it. Just tell it like it is. I said, this is totally inexcusable. I know better. I knew better. This is ridiculous. And I had to admit it. You know what he said? He said, oh, don't worry about it. He said, don't worry about it. It's fine. I forgive you if you feel like I need to. I don't, I, you know, it's okay. Very gracious. But boy, I sweated. I mean, it took, it, took some, it took some effort on my part to do that. What was I doing? I was humbling myself. Because I was tired of being in this trap Amen. Come to your senses. Humble yourself. Admit that you are offended, and if you have, and if you have been one who has uh, encouraged this offense in others, you're probably going to have to go to that. I tell you what; it'll teach you a great lesson. I, I've had to do that where other ministers are concerned. Now, leave my family out of this. All right. <laughs> leave my wife out of this. Where other ministers are concerned, I've had to do that twice. You think you'd think you'd learn. It was painful enough the first time. But I tell you what, after I've never done that again. Having to go back and humble yourself before the Lord and humble yourself before people will straighten you out. You know what it'll do? It'll cause you to be alert. It'll cause you to be. I tell you what, when, when, when people call me now, and, and, and it doesn't happen so much now because I'm not in that position, but when somebody calls and they want to tell me about something. I mean, my antenna goes up. My antenna goes up. I'm looking, wait a minute, there's a trap. There's a trap. The devil's got it. Tra- I am not taking that bait. Like I said a few weeks ago, one of the greatest things I learned was is I don't have to have an opinion. I don't have to have an opinion. I don't have to take sides. People will want you to take sides but you don't have to. Your heart, your life, your freedom is more important than satisfying their desire for you to take their side. Yeah. And you can be gracious and you can be helpful. And you don't have to just, you know, slap them upside the head and, and, you know, like you, you know, think they need. Uh, but don't take it. Don't take the bait. Praise the Lord.